Let me guess, you signed up for every free lead magnet and binged on every marketing YouTube video and thought, what am I missing? Why isn't my business exploding like that? Well, I can tell you, you're not alone. Whether you're just getting started or have an established business, entrepreneurship can be really lonely. But it doesn't have to be. Overcoming your fear of launching or building your personal brand or figuring out how to scale, it shouldn't be holding you back. It should be empowering you. On this podcast, we're going to deep dive into the mechanics of what it takes to build your brand, make your mark, and stake your claim in the digital marketing space. I'll be chatting with people from all walks of life and stages in their careers. I will be getting inspiration from real experts who will share their actual strategies and techniques to grow loyal and raving followings and sell more stuff. This is entrepreneurship from people who are already there making it happen. My name is Jeff Mendelson. Join me and welcome to the One Big Tip Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I am really excited to have with me on the line, Jonathan Dio. Jonathan is the president and founder of Mindful Money Wealth Management, financial planning, and client education, and is also the best-selling author of Mindful Money, Simple Practices for Reaching Your Financial Goals and Increasing Your Happiness Dividend. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Jeff, thanks for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate you being here today. Can you please tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do with the wealth management? What's your background and how you got to where you are today? So when I was a child, no, I really enjoyed, I really, I, I was raised with very little. And because I was raised with very little, the idea of having some became very attractive. So I started reading and studying personal finance stuff like in when I was nine and 10 years old. I bought my first stock when I was nine years old and I failed. I lost money on it. You know, my dad made me whole, taught me how to do it again. And I ended up spending a lot of time reading a lot about finance and I ended up in uh, college beginning to study finance, but I got quickly bored with it and because I'd done it for years and years already. And so I ended up switching to philosophy and religious studies. Right, because the two are totally related, right? Yeah, they're, it's perfect. It perfectly makes sense. So I had eight or nine years of, of doing personal research in business and entrepreneurship and reading about real estate and investing. And then I took a seven or eight year hiatus and learned how to meditate and talk about what really matters to people. And at the end of that process, my wife at the time said, Jonathan, it's my turn to go to school. I said, that seems fair. And she said, it's your turn to get a job. And I didn't want to get a job. And I had an unfinished degree, master's degree in Buddhist studies and a degree in philosophy. No job. There's no, there isn't a, a place to go with that. So I went to Dean Witter and I interviewed for a job as a financial advisor, uh, and which means broker, product salesperson. Um, and I did that for four or five years for seven different companies. And then finally I said, you know what? Let me merge these two concepts together. Let me merge the stuff that really matters for people with this philosophy, this religion, this stuff with the financial knowledge and start my own company. And that's really where Mindful Money came from. Wow. Amazing. So like I said, these generally are not two topics that mesh well together, right? But you manage to bring them together in a way that can actually make sense, you know, to like-minded people, right? How do you sell that? Like, what's the pitch, you know, when you tell people, oh, by the way, I studied Buddhism and finance. I mean, this is this is beautiful, actually. It's not it's not a pitch. Uh, and this is I know everything's a pitch. I, I get that. But it's really not a pitch. The reality is there's a there's a ton of information out there. A, we take in data and that data helps us make decisions about consumption, about investing, about our spending lives, about who we partner with, about relationships, about how we raise kids. We take in a bunch of information. So the question has to become. 
what is the data we're taking in? What is the quality of that data? So what mindfulness does, the only thing really mindfulness does is it creates a pause between the receiving of that data and the, and the, and sort of the scaffolding of that data into our understanding of how the universe works. And there's an enormous volume, and there's tons of research on this, enormous volume of data that comes from the financial press, uh, financial product manufacturers that takes people away from making good decisions. So by saying, hey, we should be more education focused, planning focused and goal oriented, which is really what my entire life is about, by saying education, planning, goal oriented, instead of instead of what's the latest trend, what's the hottest stock, what's the thing that's going to perform the best, instead of trying to predict things, you can have better outcomes. So the pitch is, do you want better outcomes? Then maybe we should focus on a different set of data that we intake and we analyze and we think about. So I just want to be clear here. I've always been taught that, especially when you're dealing with stocks and finance and things like that, you should not be making decisions based on emotion. Right. You should really be working on this, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, data and whether it's going to, you know, predictively bring you a return. Right. How does the mindfulness fit into taking the emotion out of the equation in order to make a better decision? Yeah, it's a it's, it's a great way to actually present the question itself. So mindfulness is the non-judgmental awareness of the present moment. It's the recognition of the reality before we start applying narratives. Now, long ago, there was this belief in, in sort of the foundation of economics that became a foundation of modern investing. And the belief was that men and women were rational animals. In the last 15, 20 years or so, there's been this renaissance of thinking um, that came with the birth of behavioral finance. And today, no one thinks that we're rational. Everyone knows that we're driven by a host of cognitive and emotional biases. And this, this realization hasn't poured over into how we behave though. So the stance of most humans, when you just meet somebody on the street and most media is that happiness comes from consumption, financial success comes from picking the right investments and, and purchasing at the right time or selling at the right time. But with the brain driven by these cognitive and emotional biases, we can never consume enough, which leads to us to addiction and depression. And all of our investing efforts end up as these short-term speculations, which leads us to buying high and selling low out of panic and greed. So we have to understand the real what's going on rather than the narrative that we've already applied to it. Mindfulness helps us step out of that emotional response, that, that natural bias that we have that's built into our brains. It's built into our amygdalas. It's built into our culture. Okay, fair enough. You know, that's actually really interesting because basically what you're talking about is that you're not, uh, let's just say, at least for me, you're not telling me anything entirely new, right? I mean, we have read and heard about the ways you should be investing, the ways you should be approaching your investments, right? But how does this, how does this then translate into the actual decisions that you are going to make on a day to day, and I'm not just now talking about the, you know, buying, you know, buying Microsoft stock right. or buying Google stock, right? I, you know, I'm talking about the, um, you know, the decisions that you're going to make on a day to day basis on how you're going to run your business, how you're going to, you know, how you're going to deal with your partner, whether you know whether you're married to that partner or you know partner in business. How does that play into it? Much of that, how to deal with the partner. That's that's sort of not the expertise that I bring to it. But the, the idea of mindfulness is it creates a doorway for you to be rational. So when we talk about the day-to-day -day decisions, so those in finance, those are the spending decisions. 
hopefully no one's making investment decisions day to day. I know that many people do, and there's lots of apps to help you with that. It just ends up hurting people, not helping people. But so in the day to day decisions, you, you the concept of being goal focused and planning driven rather than market focused and current event driven that enables you to simply not make the decision that your body is telling you you should be making. So when things get scary, COVID, February, March of 20 of 2019, right? This this 2020, sorry. This thing happens. Markets adjust very very quickly. People get upset, they panic. Same thing happens in 2008, same things happens in the dot com, same thing happened when Bitcoin crashed. Same, Anyone's involved in these things, they get nervous, they get scared, they make a decision out of that nervous nervousness and that fear. The point of mindfulness, whether it's how you're going to respond to what your son has just done, whether it's what your spouse has done, your partner, business partner has done, or whether what's what a market has done, the point of mindfulness is it gives you the doorway to being rational in a moment when you're not rational. Um, and that's, you know, this comes out of practice. This comes out of noticing how your brain works. Uh, and that's really what it's about. Okay. All right. Very cool. Let's talk about your one big tip. Your one big tip actually has a lot to do with this, right? Can you please, you know, go into a little bit about how you teach people to, you know, to address this, I, you know, part of it, you know, is in your book, but also, you know, like when you're meeting with clients, I mean, I assume you also go into some of these tenants as well, right? The one big tip is focus on inputs, less on outcomes. And really the, the what does that mean? That's a great phrase, but what does it mean? Every single day, we are we each have the same, you know, I've heard this said, we each have the same 24 hours. And you can put in lots of different things into that day. Uh, and everyone every day is looking at how their lives are unfolding. They're looking at reactions to what they see around them. And they see someone has something that they don't have, and there's jealousy or covetousness. And they they see maybe sometimes that there's an outcome that they'd really like to have. And, and, and how do we get that outcome? And that focus on that outcome misses the thing that we can do. And so if we focus on, and, and the thing we talked about before we started is the morning routine, as an example, the thing that I can control to get my day launched in the right way is my morning routine. And I can, I can get up early, I can work out, I can exercise, I can work out my brain, I can read, I can write, I can meditate, I can do all kinds of things in the morning to get my day started off in the right way. And for me, that was actually a, that was life changing because I, I was I was a disaster. And then I started bringing it all together and had like an hour and a half routine in the morning and my life just got better. It wasn't because I was making better decisions. I don't know. Was it because I had better opportunities? I don't know. I think a lot had to do with just setting the stage in the morning. I focused on inputs and the way I did it was, was I wrote down a checklist of these are the, these are the 12 things in my life that if I do these 12 things that I know things will improve. And everyone's 12 things are going to be different things. But if you write them down and say, okay, I'll do this today. And I give yourself a point. I get a point for this one, a point for that one, a point for this one, a point for that one. If I do those things, I know that I'm heading in the right direction. Uh, uh, it, it's what are my 12? Well, my 12 start in that morning, right? my, in that morning routine. Okay, fair enough. So, you know, what's really interesting about talking about the inputs here, right? These are the things that are going into your life, right? And you're adding them to your life without a lot of concern, over how they're going to manifest themselves later on, the outputs, right? How do you decide or better prioritize what those inputs are so that you can affect better outputs later on in the day, later on in the week, or whatever your scope is? That, that is the fundamental nature of planning. That's the whole, that's the whole point of being goal-focused and planning-driven is you start with an understanding of where I'm trying to go. 
you know, maybe it's, I want to finish a degree program. Okay. If I want to finish this degree program, what do I have to do? Well, I got to show up in class. I got to do my homework. I got to write my papers. I got to take these tests. Maybe I have to do a, a verbal defense. I'm, there's things I have to do and I have to be successful at. Okay. If those are the things I have to do and have to be successful at, what are the pieces, what are the building blocks underneath, underneath each of those things? And those are the things I got to do every day. So if you're goal focused and you're planning driven, you have a goal, whatever that might be. And now you have to create a plan. What are those steps, you know, the next year, the next three months, the next three weeks, the next week today that I can do to get me towards that goal. So you have to goal focused, planning driven. That's how you determine those outcomes. And if you just follow the steps and do the steps, have a plan, do the steps, do the work, good things happen. I mean, I, I've worked with hundreds of clients, hundreds of clients. And if you just take the steps, good things happen. You just have to be patient with that. I guess the part that I'm uh, that I'm struggling with here, right, is how do you plan those steps, right? And you know, I want to speak. I want to speak about you specifically, right? Because there are apps for this, right? You know, like I use things, right? Other people will use to do with. Some people will. I had one guy on the show who walks around with a little uh, with a little notebook that he keeps in his shirt pocket. That's how he keeps things. And he, you know, he journals inside of that, you know, journaling is also a mechanism for getting people to, to, uh, you know, to really document the important things um, that are happening in their lives and how they can, you know, how they can make those actions better. Jonathan, what do you use in order to help you organize those, uh, you know, those thoughts, those goals and bring them to fruition? I go through an annual process and it's sort of a, I think people call it a visioning process and my annual process, it's basically a document that I, I followed this for about a decade and it's a document that's got 13 pages. It starts with a discussion of what are my values and what are the six most meaningful things in my life in terms of my values. It, it goes through the creation of a mission statement, personal mission statement, uh, a compelling vision of my life. And that, that vision includes things like, you know, what, who do I want to have visit my house next year? What do I want? What do I want my atmosphere to be like? What do I want my relationship with my kids to be like my relationship with my wife to be like? Um, what is my vision for my business? What is my vision for uh, my vacations, my time away? What is it? What are, what are these visions? And then, and then it goes into my tenure, my tenure goal, my five-year goal, my three, two, one, and then it's sort of some daily action steps out of that. And it, it all does, if you start far out in the future, 10-year goal, you go, okay, if I'm going to be there in 10 years, what do I have to be in five years? What do I have to be in two years? What do I have to be in one year? You can easily back into my daily action steps. What do I have to do today to make that one step to get that much closer to my goal? And if you, if you just do that, maybe today's, maybe today's action, it breaks. I can't finish it. It's no good. I got to come back and do it again tomorrow. If you keep doing that, if that goal is really your goal, if you are honestly going after the thing that is in your heart, you will be able to find it. Even if it breaks today, do it the next day, do it the next day uh, and just follow the action steps. Um, and for me, it's an annual process. And it, my goals don't, honestly, my goals don't change that much. It's really about my family, my, my, my business, um, you know, the kinds of vacation I'm going to take, how, how am I going to take care of my kids, their college educations. My goals are pretty, maybe I want to write another book, you know, my next product project. Uh, that's, those goals don't shift that much. You know, occasionally I add a new one in, but the big goals don't shift much. What has been the net result of you going through this process and actually documenting documenting it for yourself in terms of the successes that you've achieved both in your business and in your and in your personal life? 
So I started this process, I think, 12 years ago. I did two things at the exact same time. The first thing I did was I started doing this visioning process. Actually, the first thing I did was I hired a coach and that coach gave me this visioning process. And the coach is still my coach. And I, this is, it's really interesting because this was, see, my son was actually it's 13 years ago now. My son was three years old and I was 290 pounds. I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs without having to bend over and and breathe hard, right? Um, My business was doing probably $200,000 in revenue. Um, uh, My my relationship with my wife wasn't awesome because I was out of shape. And I'll I'll tell you, by by going through the visioning, by visioning my plan, what I wanted to have happen 10 years from now, by by backing into the daily steps, I now weigh about 215. I run every single day. I work out every single day. My meditation is solid. I kind of understand when I say something wrong, I, I go, oh yeah, I'm sorry about that. I shouldn't have said that. I realize it. Um, my, my fitness is better. My finances are better. My, my company does about two and a half million in revenue every single year now. I've got eight fantastic employees that basically manage it in my absence if, if need be. Everything in my life is better than when it was. Again, this is a 12-year process. It probably all came to fruition three or four years ago. So I had to I had to really kind of crank and grind for those first five, six years. Um, the health came about much more quickly. The business took, as you know, it takes a lot of effort and energy to actually push this through. It's like a, it's Sisyphusian, right? You're pushing up this, pu- pushing this thing up the hill and it keeps rolling back down on you. Um, but it's having a visioning process, focusing on the inputs, not worrying as much about the outputs, outcomes. That's, that's, it's been huge in my life. The actual tangible effect has been amazing. The one thing that really resonated in what you were saying there is that when you were talking about these goals, you admitted that this is not something that appeared, you know, like, okay, I'm going to set a goal for myself and two months later, you know, like I'm on the first step for it. This literally took you years in order to, you know, find the right direction, maybe pivot here and there. I'm sure you've had some challenges in and around getting the milestone one, milestone three, milestone five, you know, whatever those were for you. Right. But it was definitely something that happened over years, not months and not days. Right. And and those years didn't start until after I'd already spent years. Right. I got the coach that was 13 years. I've been doing this for in my industry. I've been doing it for 25 years. So my first eight or nine years were, were a complete it wasn't a waste of time. I learned lots of lessons. I didn't get anywhere. I spun my wheels for eight or nine years. Then I got a coach. Then I got a program. Then I got a process. Then I applied it. And then six or seven years later, I mean, the benefits are astounding um, by just following the process. And there's tons of coaches that have processes. I'm, I'm sure that mine isn't some special genius that has some kind of special thing that he's tapped into that no one else has. Goal setting and pursuing and having planning, I think that's the value is in the goal setting and the planning. It's it's enormously positive. Right. Because once you put once you write it down, it becomes tangible, right? And that's really the crux of what we're talking about here is that it's one thing to talk about a dream, but you write it down, right? And you make a plan on how to achieve it. Now that's a that's an entirely different animal. And I think that's really where, you know, is the end game for all of this is that you want to make sure that you're planning to achieve something that is in fact achievable. Now, it can be this big, hairy, audacious goal. It can be something that maybe is kind of impossible to do right now, especially if you're 290 pounds. How are you gonna how are you gonna run a 5K, you know, in that condition? But no, you gotta walk before you run. You have to, you know, eat an elephant one bite at a time. And at some point you are gonna achieve that, right? Yep. All the euphemisms. <laughs> all of them. All of them. All Amazing. Of them. All of them. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, Jonathan, can you please let everyone know how they can learn more 
about you and how they can reach out to you directly? The best thing to do, and this is this is something that anyone can do, is you, if you go to our website is mindful.money. But if you go to courses.mindful.money, you can actually take the visioning course for free. That We give that away. Um, and it's there's a there's a I don't know ten minute video of me. There's a workbook. It's all comes with it. It's free. Go take the course, um, and it'll take you through this whole process of visioning. And I highly recommend that. And all of your listeners have access to that. The best way to reach out to me is probably on LinkedIn. You know, I'm Jonathan Dio. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with folks and chat with people. Amazing stuff, Jonathan. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a really interesting discussion, and I really appreciate you bringing the energy and breaking down these concepts for us. No worries at all, Jeff. Thanks for having me. 